Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me as always is Brandon. And this is the first of the new episodes where we bring on a guest. The goal is to have a guest every single week. And today's guest is actually brought to us from Brandon, someone in the uh, Twitch community. Uh, Her name is Rissa Havoc. And uh, Brandon, why don't you introduce the guest a little bit? Yeah, so uh, Rissa and I played a little bit of Hunt Showdown together, both on and off stream. Um, now, Rissa, you can end up correcting me if I have any of this wrong, but uh, I, I put down that you've been streaming for about three years. Uh, you focus primarily on horror games and just content in general. Do some makeup streams too, which is really cool. I've been there for that. Those are awesome. Um and I will say that although she plays some some dark and dreary games, uh, she brings a lot of fun and laughter to them, uh, even if it's at her own expense, which is uh, a juxtaposition as a viewer that I will say is extremely enjoyable. Um, and just overall, one of the most pleasant people as a viewer and as a co-streamer that I have met on Twitch. So welcome to the show, Rissa. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. Wow. Yeah, I was like, let's get the flattery out of the way right away. Brandon's still the nice guy of the podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's just keep it real here. Brandon will always be the nice guy, always be the other mean guy. Not really mean, You're but the bad less boy. nice. I'm I'm always the bad boy. He's got the, the white he's got the white tee on with the you got the James Dean look. I, I got the white tee. I was debating but like before this what to wear. I was like, just a white t shirt's kind of boring. But maybe fitting for the bad boy aesthetic could be good. What do you think? What what uh, initial thoughts, Rasa, on his aesthetic right now? <laughs> um, you you definitely have like the James Dean thing going on. But <laughs> I, I just I know flipping a little bit more, so you know it's uh to to call you the bad boy. I don't really know about that. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon that's, is uh, that's he's true. a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I I can appreciate that. Okay, so I'm not going to mess up the tease like I did on that first episode back where uh, I told everyone that this is the part I'm supposed to tease, right? Yeah. Just like absolute stupidity, a little rusty. Um, But in today's episode, we're going to talk about being a content creator as well as having a full-time job. Uh, We're going to talk about how all of our content has evolved over time, talk about some of our goals. Then we'll get a little more specific, talking with Arissa here about uh, being a woman in the content creation scene and then lastly we've got a game that we've played before but we spent some time before today's recording trying to come up with a killer name for it so the name is movie critics must go and it's uh it's a fan favorite it is people love it i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with it as well i yeah i'm excited i picked the the first movie that i picked for it is a horror movie as you know per your theme so i thought maybe that would be a nice introduction (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Perfect. I'm so excited. Hell yeah. Okay. So I do want to start off um, just because, you know, there are probably a lot of people that listen to our show that don't, I mean, there are probably some people that know who you are just from being in my streams and stuff, but there are probably a good portion of people who don't know who you are. And so I wanted sort of a creative way for you to um, I guess sell yourself, I guess, if for lack of a better (laughs) phrase. Um, But this is what I wanted to ask you. So if I'm a person viewing your content for the first time, but you also have an unlimited amount of time to convince me to stay a part of the Rissa Havoc community, 
what feelings or thoughts do you want me to walk away with? You said I have an unlimited amount of time. Yeah, because I or felt a like limited amount of time. So it's the first time, so it's first impression. But I also didn't mm-hmm. want it to be like, well, they tune in for thirty seconds and then leave. So it's like gotcha. you have an unlimited amount of time for them to really get an idea of who you okay. are. Yeah, and and typically viewers will pop in for about. I think that there was a study on it. It's like somewhere between like one and five minutes. Yeah, and it's like then they're pieced out if they're not interested. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would want you to walk away from with my stream in mind, uh, having come for the first time, would be um, if you're afraid of of scary games or scary movies. If that's like the kind of thing that you typically stray away from. Um, I encourage you to just stop by just for a few minutes and just kind of check it out. Um, I play all the scary stuff so that you basically don't have to. And I make it super fun and exciting and interesting. And um, I I try to make it as funny as possible, too, because for me, horror is like not necessarily so depressing and dark and dreary all the time. For me, horror is really about like the fun in getting scared. Yeah. Um, it's like one of those emotions that a lot of people are kind of like afraid to tap into. But for me, it's kind of like it's almost like going on a roller coaster. You know, if you like sort of like um, those like thrill rides, if you like that kind of thing, for me, it's like that. It's like riding a roller coaster. And um, the scariest moments are like the first drop. Um, so it's something that I really want people to like get excited with me about and also find the fun and the humor in it. Yeah. And I can say too, like like I said earlier, as a viewer, like you were playing Fatal Frame, I think was one of the more recent games that you played, which I don't know yeah. how uh, scary people really think that game is, but um, I I was laughing more than I was ever scared. So you definitely do a really great job of of getting that across. Yeah, and there's definitely there's a lot of really scary moments in that game. If you guys aren't familiar with the series, it's probably one of the scarier series in my opinion. Um, it's less blood and gore and more about like the psychological horror and like ghosts and it's all about sounds and um, the sound design is really what like draws me to those games, um, that franchise in particular. Um, so there are like quite a few scary, scary moments, but I feel like I, <laughs> I tend to get a little jumpy with those types of like scares and it's it's always a really fun time for the community to to kind of poke fun at me and laugh at me because i i'm usually <laughs> screaming pretty loud yeah again at your expense that's what <laughs> yep that's what I mean. yep always <laughs> i go through the pain so you don't have to so <laughs> the last time i was exposed to a scary game was fear was that like in the mid 2000s or late 2000s i think so yeah that's like the last time I can like think of being uh, or watching someone play like a really scary game until today when I went to your your stream wrist and just like started checking it out to see what I was missing out on because I love that kind of stuff. I love like Halloween. I love like horror kind of stuff. So really cool. Yeah. And just so you have some context, Steven's kind of gaming background is <laughs> is mainly Mario. <laughs> yeah. So his horror oh, okay. experience is going to Boo's Castle or something. You know, I, was, I thought you were going to say like a good Animal point. Crossing or like The Sims or something. So yeah, <laughs> he seems he seems like an Animal Crossing kind of guy. Oh, you think so? Have you tried it? So uh, I actually own it and I never played it. I bought it at a garage sale for a dollar, and then I was like, I'm not playing this. <laughs> His attention span is tough, so I don't know if he has the attention span because I feel like. Would you describe Animal Crossing as sort of sandboxy? Like you have to kind of find your fun in it. Yeah, definitely. There's no like end game 
to right. Animal Crossing. You can't beat Animal Crossing, okay? It's kind of just like a lifestyle at this point. So yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're not into um just like fun, cute, comfy, just whatever you want to make out of it kind of game. I do like Pokemon. For you. That's that's true. He's a Pokemon guy. I do like Pokemon, so alright. <laughs> yeah, but there's an end game to Pokemon. That's true. Yeah. There's an yeah. end game. Roller Coaster <laughs> Tycoon. I like those games. You know, they're, they're, yeah. That's a little closer. Oh, okay. I like that game. Specifically yeah, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Games. Okay. All right. Nice. We're drawing some connections here. Do you want to fix this real quick? Yeah. Sorry. We So we have a little bit of an outline to help us out, but for whatever reason, the uh, the screen is going blank. When we first started doing podcasting, <laughs> we would record the video with his laptop webcam, and we couldn't figure out how to get his laptop to prevent from going into sleep mode. And so every like 15 minutes, he'd have to stand up in the middle of the podcast to make sure yeah. that it wasn't asleep. We've come a long way since then. That's We've what grown. I can't say. It's a, it's all a learning process with content, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everything builds on each other. So yeah. I get it. Yeah, which I guess does bring us to the first topic of discussion, which is, so we're all content creators, and we also all have full-time jobs. So I want to get this started because I think any person who loves doing content probably secretly wishes they could do it all the time or like out in the open says, yeah, I wish I could do this all the time and didn't have to have another job. So Rissa, give us some background on how you got into content in the first place. And then tell us a little bit about the struggle or just how you're able to manage uh, doing both. Yeah. Um, so getting into content was interesting. I actually didn't really know like about gaming YouTubers um, until probably about, mm, gosh, probably like six years ago. And it, I feel like there were like certain content creators that were really, really starting to like hit it off on YouTube with just like gaming Let's Play videos and just kind of like spinoffs of that kind of thing. Um, so my partner at the time introduced me to like some pretty big names on YouTube. And I was like, this seems like a lot of fun. And I've played video games for my entire life, like since I was a wee little child. And I'm like, how come I never thought to record myself playing video games especially with my friends? Like that, that just seems like a no brainer to me. Like, and then just on top of that, putting it out there for everyone else to watch, just so interesting to me. So I started out just kind of like watching those people and just seeing what they were doing and seeing what kind of content they could create. Um, and I've also just always been just a creative person in general in my life. I've been a musician. Um, I love fashion. I love makeup. Like you name it. I've done it. I've tried it. Um, and so I'm always kind of looking for like the next creative project for myself. Um, no matter what I'm doing in my life, I feel like I have to be creative in any sort of instance in my life. So I feel like content creation was just kind of like the next step in my journey, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so about three and a half to four years ago now, I was like, well, you know, I don't really know like how to even start. So I kind of just did my own research on YouTube and kind of figured out like, what is OBS? How does this work? How do I capture my own video? How do I capture a video game? Like I literally had to like do all of my research from the ground up because I didn't know anyone who did this. Um, so I feel like I was really one of like the first people in my friend group to even sort of explore this kind of thing. And I really kind of worked from the ground up. Um, 
on getting started. And I feel like my best advice to anybody is just if you're interested in it, just do it. Like you can't wait because I feel like waiting for the perfect opportunity, you're just going to be waiting forever and ever and ever. Um, so I kind of just dove right into it. I set myself up on uh, my partner's computer, um, super old, kind of an older graphics card and stuff like wasn't really super great. I had a desk in my bedroom, um, spare room kind of has evolved over time, but um, there used to just be a futon in here, like literally um, with like a desk lamp. And I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. if you go back and watch like my very first few videos, I mean, they were terrible, but it was fun and I wanted to keep doing it. And I think, like you said, one of the hardest things is balancing this with my full-time job. I think that's like kind of like the forever struggle that I'm still working on and kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, well, to backtrack really quick, because I, mm -hmm. I think you, you brought something up that we've talked about quite a bit is... There's a, uh, I think in a lot of people, I don't know if it's perfectionism or if it, I think maybe sometimes it's an excuse to, to not put yourself out there because people might be shy or and insecurity, insecurity. Yeah. Like I, I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, if you're having a desire to start doing any of this content creation stuff, you really do just got to do it. I feel like we, I mean, with the podcast, which I feel like for both of us was kind of a start back into any sort of content creation um, or at least consistent content creation. We didn't know what the heck we were doing either. We were like, and, and I lived in Minnesota at the time and he was here in Chicago and it was just like, let's just start doing stuff. Yeah. And sort of similarly, I didn't have any other friends who would like, who do this at all. Like I'm not from a, a group of creatives that I used to hang out all the time. So I just would set up my, uh, my video, and then I would just post it on YouTube and had no one to say anything other than if I got a comment, which in the beginning I didn't. So I had no idea, like, does anyone like this? And then obviously your first YouTube videos are awful. So like I watch those now and I just cringe having to just <laughs> like the smallest things, like I'll just like looking awkward in front of the camera because even that, like I'm like, I'm like more jittery and stuff like that. So it, it is something that you kind of just have to dive headfirst into and just hope for the best. Yeah, for sure. And then as that kind of evolves over time, you talked about uh, it is tough balancing that full-time job. Um, I think I remember you talking about how you used to stream more, but didn't you cut back a bit because it was a little too challenging to do both? Yeah, when I first started out, I was just like, okay, I just, now that I'm I'm doing this, I have to do it. You know, like I've got to do this almost every single day if I can. Um, the more I put myself out there, the more people are going to come and see me and possibly come back, right? Like that's kind of like this mentality that I have was just like keep going, keep doing, keep pushing, like despite anything else that was going on in my life. And it got to a point where like relationships were suffering. I feel like me at my job was kind of suffering, like my job performance. Um, and then honestly, like I just found like I didn't even have time to like play video games on my own. I didn't even have time to like watch that movie I've been dying to watch for months, you know, and it got to a point where I was just like, what, you know, there has to be like a balance here. Um, so I did end up cutting my stream schedule back. Um, that's the other thing I think that I'd like to like kind of talk a little bit about is just a schedule in general. Um, 
you know, a, a lot of streaming advice is like, you have to have a schedule. It has to be set. It has to be consistent. Um, consistency is like, what's really going to bring people back. But I don't, I feel like now that I've been doing this for almost four years, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that the people who really enjoy your content and enjoy you for who you are and get something out of your stream, they're going to come back regardless of like how many times you stream a week, how many times you like put up a YouTube video, like, you know, seeing those numbers, it can be very daunting. It can be very heavy on your mental health a lot of times, especially like as a streamer versus like um, any other type of like creator, you you can actually like see the data. You can see the numbers in real time. And it's scary. It's scary to see like your numbers drop, your your viewers drop. Um, oh, if I stream on Saturday, it's not as good as if I stream on Thursday or whatever it is. Um, so I just feel like over the past four years, I've really had to like kind of like take care of myself first and then stream kind of comes second to me. And it's, it's very hard as like a perfectionist creator to like get into that mindset. Yeah. But ultimately like my mental health is like the most important thing. So I need to have that downtime. I have to be able to like be a hundred percent at my job. I have to be able to like maintain my relationships um, I have to be able to like watch that movie when I need to, you know? Um, so I, I feel like I'm still kind of figuring it out, you know, four years in and I, I don't have it perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think Steven can attest to this. I think I'm going through, uh, you know, a similar phase that you went through in the beginning, which is I definitely have that like compelling feeling that I need to be live a lot. You know, feeling like if I want to grow, if I want, if I really want this, I need to be not only consistent, but on the top of my game so much all the time, you know, and to the point where yeah. I'm certain I'm just like, dude, when am I have time to do anything, you know, and it's, it is, uh, it is very challenging. And I, I want to ask, kind of bring you into this because obviously it's different for streaming than it is for YouTube. Like mm -hmm. in terms of what we're talking about, where, where do you feel there is a, a similarity and where do you feel there's a distinction between the two for you when you hear these? I mean, I, I definitely feel like I'm extremely competitive probably with myself more than anything else. So whenever I see my numbers go down because I'm, I, my content lately has been bad or uh, I haven't been putting it out as regular, but whatever the reason is, a little part of me dies on the inside and I'm like, I got to get out there. I got to be posting more content. Um, like we can't be having this happen to me right now. So I, I will feel that a lot and it, it can be intense at times, but I think one of the things that it's, it's different doing YouTube versus doing Twitch because even though I go live on YouTube, uh, and I've seen that if I don't go live at the same time, then my numbers will be lower. Like I, I, I can see that number so I can, I can connect with that part of Twitch. I think one of the keys to what I've been able to do is, or and, I, and it took a while to even get to this point, is it's like you got to experiment sometimes because if you if you always feel like you got to be on all the time, well, then you're just going to keep doing that. And then you won't actually realize that, oh, actually, there makes no difference if I stream four days a week versus six days a week. Like you won't know that until you actually dial it back and just test it out. So, And I think a lot of times, especially earlier on in the process, you are m more afraid to try anything different because as soon as you get just a little tiny bit of success, you're like, well, this is it. I guess it's more, 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 more until you eventually start losing your mind because you're like, 
I can't maintain this. This is physically impossible to maintain this. And that's why the balance is so important. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is like, that is like exactly what I've gone through. Like no joke. Um, I feel like, you know, when in the beginning, as I was streaming so much, like, yeah, I was seeing like some pretty decent numbers. I was seeing some growth. I was seeing like a lot of new people and new phases in my community, but like at what cost, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, um, it, it just, it was getting to a point where I was like, I, I have to like scale this back. So let's dial it back a day. Let's dial it back two days. And now I'm at the point where I definitely want to stream like at least one to two days during the week and at least one day on the weekend, like three days a week is like pretty solid for me. Um, it's a really good balance. I feel like I still have my community, um, have, has my viewership dropped. It's tanked (laughs) recently in this past year. It's absolutely tanked, but I'm a lot happier and I feel like now I actually have time to like spend in streams and network with people. Whereas before I was just like constantly on and I wasn't able to like form solid relationships. I wasn't able to do things like this where I could actually have time to like sit down and do a podcast. Like that's pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and I feel like things are kind of going in a better direction now, even though my numbers are low right now. I, I do feel really good about where things are headed in the future for me. Um, well, if that makes any sense, well, I think <laughs> like, I know that... it's, I know it's scary to see like your numbers like tanking, but at the same time, like, I think that you can build a really good foundation for something really good to come. Yeah. I think a big part of it is after a while, you just, you start to figure out how to work smarter and not harder in these types of situations. And when you really start honing in on that, I think it it allows the balance to take place. You don't have to feel like every single second that you're not doing something to create that something is lost. Because I do think that sometimes some of the biggest value in helping yourself out is like networking. Like sometimes doing something else is actually more valuable than the content itself. And that's something that I definitely early on, I would have never like even believed that that was a thing, but it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Well, I can, I can attest for, you know, the growth in my community. I think it has way more to do with, you know, the people that I've met and uh, communicated with, played with, um, just like being a part of other communities and, and developing genuine relationships with those people. And then in turn, it's, it's like this mutual support of one another. And, uh, and, and then it's like, there's not as much pressure for me to be pulling content out of thin air. And then also through that pulling an audience out of thin air, it's like, Oh, uh, Rissa. I I love Rissa. Oh, she's playing with flipping gaming. Oh, let me watch this. Oh, they're having a a blast together. Let me go over to flipping gaming's channel or let me go to Rissa Havoc's channel and give them a follow. And then it's like, Oh shoot. That had a lot less to do with me. Just like, booting up a single player story game, which I still like to do because I like that versatility in my content. So there's even a balance within that. But uh, as far as the growth is concerned, I do think uh, that working smarter, not harder can come from a lot of things outside of just, oh, I need to be, you know, there's so much content to consume and I need to compete with the quantity of content out there by having a very high volume of quantity myself. I think it's a yeah. trap that you can fall into very early on, but I think one that mm-hmm. it sounds like all of us have learned a little bit that it's not necessarily the case. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you you have to, but everyone starts somewhere, you know, this is kind of like the journey that you have to take. And especially with you, so I feel like so early in your like kind of streaming career, kind of getting to this point where you're thinking about, okay, like my schedule and my work-life balance and my content and these relationships that I'm forming, this is the perfect time for you to be experimenting, like is the in the beginning, because pretty soon you're going to have like a big enough community where they're going to expect a little bit of consistency. So I think figuring it out, out now is really key. Um, you know, it kind of coincides with my advice of just start streaming, like just do things. And if it doesn't work out, don't do it again. If it does, maybe continue that, you know? You'll never know until you try. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I actually want to talk about this uh, next, which is, so when we first start doing content, I, I don't know if you all feel this way, but in the very beginning, it was kind of just like, I'm going to just try some things and then just see what I like or what other people like. So Rissa, when you first started doing content, what were the type of things that you were doing? Um, how did you feel about it? And then like talk a little bit about the evolution of it over time. And if any part of you has felt like there, there's a, there's a, an expectation where now you have to do this specific thing. And, and how did you deal with that? All right. Buckle up guys. <laughs> so when, I, when I first started doing content, my very first videos were undertale um oh, that's wow. a mistake that's a mistake don't play a game that has an intense cult following as like your first content it almost made me not want to stream anymore <laughs> because people were just coming in and spoiling the game people were telling me how to play the game people were like telling me all these things and i'm like i'm just here to play this game i've never played before like what do i do um and so then you kind of like learn like what sort of like twitch etiquette is and like having to like cultivate your community around that it's very it's a very strange thing to have to like deal with in the beginning you have no idea what you're doing um but shortly after that i kind of just got into just like japanese rpgs <laughs> which i mean i don't know i don't know if anyone <laughs> like kind of like views me as like being into that kind of thing but i was super into like final fantasy 10 and like that type of like gaming yeah. um so i i i was like i want to be an rpg streamer well no one wants to sit there and watch you play a game that's gonna take like an entire year to stream like right. maybe some people might <laughs> right but like how do you build a community and like a following off of that it's got to be really hard to be like an rpg streamer right mm -hmm. um so i kind of quickly learned that although maybe some people are like super dedicated um I don't really think that it's for me. Like, I don't feel like I create good content off of that, right? Like, I don't feel like I'm like super engaging if I'm just like playing this game that has a bunch of like voice cuts and like, you know, like video cuts and stuff. And I'm having to like be sit there and be quiet the entire time. Um, so that was kind of like a learning experience for me. That was my first year, um, I would say, of, of Twitch was just kind of like figuring out um, and like even what kinds of games I just wanted to stream. Um, and then I played a horror game on stream for the first time and people lost their minds. They thought it was so funny to see me get so scared. And I was like, maybe I have something here actually. Cause prior to that, I never played scary games on my own. I watched a lot of horror. I'm super into spooky stuff, but scary games was like the one thing it's like almost too real, right? Like 
Yeah. I don't know if I want to like play this video game by myself because it's like too scary. Like I'm into this, right? <clears throat> uh, but streaming it, man, you can get some good content out of some horror games. Let me tell you. So was... I feel like I kind of just took that and ran with it. What was the game, really quick? The the one that you started with. Oh my god, what was it? I feel like it might have been. It actually might have been the first. Uh, sorry, Fatal Frame Two. Might have oh, been okay. my first one that I played on stream. I'd have to go back and look, but um, okay. yeah, it, it might have been that one because uh, I remember it being like a heavy like horror story that was like kind of long, but it was like, you know, a week's worth of streams. So gotcha. nothing too crazy. Um, but yeah, I just remember like everybody just like kind of losing their minds every time I'd get jump scared. So I just kind of took that and ran. And it's actually led to me discovering a lot of really cool like indie horror devs, um, getting into that kind of scene, um, working with publishers and developers and getting keys for like new stuff that's coming out. So it's actually led to like a lot of really cool opportunities for me. Um, and then to kind of like just touch on like, I feel like the viewership expectation. I recently got into Hunt Showdown uh, through my friend Scarum and Sarah Pumpkin. Um, and that was probably about a year and a half ago I played with them for the first time. And I was like, I don't really know. Like, shooters aren't really my thing. I pretty much just play story-based games. Like, I'm not super competitive. So I don't know if I'm going to like this. But I kept playing with them and definitely saw the excitement. Uh <laughs> that you can get out of playing a game like that and getting kills and like being competitive in that way. But it's definitely more slow paced, which is something that I really like. Um, it helps me sort of like get into like that mindset and helps me um, perfect sort of like how, how to play a game like that. Cause it's not really something that comes naturally to me. Um, and so I've been trying to sort of incorporate that into my streams, but I definitely feel like when I play Hunt on my channel, I don't get as many views. I think it's because I cultivated my community based on like those story horror games. And now that I'm starting to switch over into something that's a little bit more consistent, I don't think that my main audience super loves that. But, you know, it's just part of like the content creation journey. Like I'm just kind of figuring it out and like what the balance is there. Like how do I play this like main game that I love and also still satisfy the people who came for my content in the first place? It's a journey. Yeah, for sure. And you and you, I've told you about Hunt Showdown, but uh, I mean, have you watched any of uh, the Hunt Showdown? A little bit. I mean, play? those types of games I'd be awful at. Like my only yeah. experience with <laughs> online shooters was uh, in high school. Everyone was playing one of the Call of Duties. It might have been Modern Warfare Two, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't remember which one it was, but everyone was like talking about this game at school. So eventually, I was like all right, I'm going to buy this game and I'm going to play it online, but not tell anyone so I can like get good enough. Cause everyone's like, yeah, my K to D or was it yeah, K, KD. K, yeah. K, KD ratio is this. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to buy this game. I'm going to play it and try to get a good uh, kill to death ratio. Um, spoiler after playing it like for a week, I couldn't, I had like two or three positive spreads ever. <laughs> <laughs> and like my kill to death ratio was just awful and i was like wow this is a lot harder and i and i just realized like i don't think this is for me i don't think i, I don't think i'm good at these t these types of games and i'm t i was like i'm so competitive that losing over and over again i was just like i can't i can't do this but <laughs> yeah i mean I definitely it, it, it definitely like gonna I... take you longer than a week to, to develop oh, yeah, a positive I, know. <laughs> I know that's the yeah, funny part sure. is i thought like oh i'm gonna 
one week just give me a week i'll be i'll be solid <laughs> no absolutely not it's so dumb no i've been playing hunt showdown for a year and i'm shit at that game <laughs> you're not <laughs> i shit. suck at it but you know what i i kind of come at it with the same attitude that i i come at all of my content is that you know i'm just having i'm here to have fun and i'm here to like help other people have fun with it and so so what i'm not like super super great at hunt showdown like my katie is shit but at the same time, I don't know. Like, I have a lot of fun. I make a lot of jokes. I do silly things. I meme in that game constantly. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that my people really love to see, um, <clears throat> that my community loves to come for. Um, they're not super interested in me playing a competitive shooter, like, super competitively. And honestly, I'm not really interested in playing it that way. Of course, I'd like, I want to win. Of course, like, I want to do well. But at the same time, like, I think I come at that game the same way I come at all video games. I just, I just want to have fun. Yeah. Brandon, I kind of want to hear you talk about uh, your content journey is interesting because what you started with versus what you spend the primary, uh, primarily what you spend your time on now is completely different. Yeah. So I, I, I am, I'm kind of curious to just know how you found out what it was that you liked versus like what wasn't working previously. Like how did you end up going from the, the music guy to the Twitch guy. Yeah. Well, I, I think music for me, um, you know, so that was, I mean, really like 10 years ago that I was super, super honed in on my like music stuff. Like I dropped out of school to pursue it. And, um, you know, I had, I had two bands, transistor radio and the wrestling, like I was, you know, booking shows weekly and, and, you know, doing all this stuff. I think for me, the struggle with, um, music specifically was uh, feeling the capacity to be consistently creative. Because number one, I'm completely self-taught and I don't think that I even taught myself super well. So I think my skill set is even limited. Like I can sing and stuff, like put a song in front of me that I know or that I've written and I can sing it for you. I'm, I'm super comfortable with that. And I love writing, but I'm not like, like I play piano, I understand the basic concepts of it, but I'm not a super like technical guy with piano. When it comes to like music production stuff, I I'm winging it. I have no idea what I'm doing, so it takes me forever to do even the most basic things. Um, so I think there was a pressure for me within music to feel like I'm I'm not doing enough, but I I like I can't whip this out of thin air, and like. I love it, but I also felt there there was sort of a moral or ethical part of the music industry that I felt very disingenuous. And like when I was in Nashville, and I've talked about this on the podcast a couple times, you know, I had conversations with people who were like, you need to be co-writing so that you can write these hit songs. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to write music just to write a hit song. I'm like trying to capture my experiences or my observations of the world around. Like I'm trying to capture real things and, and convey it through music, not necessarily just trying to be on billboards, top 100. 
Um, so there was that. Then there was like the meeting I've talked about multiple times where it was your your lyrics are too intellectual for a mainstream audience. I was told that by a publishing. <laughs> Cracks uh, me up every time. Like member um, of ASCAP, which was just like ridiculous. I, I mean, I didn't even think that that song was that intellectual, to be completely honest. I, I think there are way more intellectual songs out there than the one I, I showed. Um, but there was that. So kind of over time, I just kind of got drained out with feeling like in order to be successful with that content creation, I needed to, uh, I needed to compromise myself or my own creative experience with music. And I just, music just, there's a deep connection that I have to music that I just want it to be as pure as possible. Um, when it comes to gaming and gameplay, I've just always loved it so much that I don't even really think about it. I just like, I'm just playing games. I'm like there. And then when it comes to streaming games, I'm just like, I just get to be me. I get to be goofy. Sometimes I get to be serious. Sometimes, um, you know, I get to meet cool people that also like the same games I like. And it's just like a blast. And it's not, there isn't this like deeper, like, uh, emotional connection. I mean, there can be to some games. Like I played life is strange and I, you know, I broke down a couple times on stream just cause that game is so, uh, intense, but just overall, it's just like, man, I'm just like, like Rissa said, you know, I, I think we have a similar focus, which is why I think when we stream together, we have so much fun or when we play together in general, it's like, I think you can, as a streamer, have the mentality of, I'm going to be super fucking good at this game. And, people are going to watch me because of how skilled I am. Um, or you can have the, I'm here to make con like I'm, I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to have fun and it's going to be funny or like entertaining content. Now I think probably the best of the best can do both. Um, but like, I do think that there are those two categories and I much more consider myself in the category that, you know, Rissa explained. And I just, I kind of fell into that. Like I started out similar to you. I feel like I did play a game that had sort of a cult following, which was dark souls three. So I definitely had some people coming in telling me how to play and stuff. And there is a Twitch etiquette of like, there's sort of like uh viewer entitlement or just like, I don't know. I don't even know how to necessarily describe Well, they'll come in and they're just like backseat gaming. And it's just like, dude, shut the hell up. Let me, <laughs> let me experience this for myself, asshole. All right. <laughs> Drop me nuts. Yeah. Well, and it's tough too, because when you're a small streamer, you are there, there is a part of you that's like, I want to pull people in. I want them to stick around. And so there's this like battle in your mind of like, how like how intense am I gonna be like fuck face listen up get the hell out of here telling me exactly. how to play this game <laughs> yeah exactly or, it's like it's like damn I want them to stay so badly but god damn it do I just want to tell them to fuck off right now <laughs> you know like oh I battle that almost every day yeah well <laughs> but and, you got to stay true to yourself you know what I mean and and for me yeah. like in that situation it's very much like if I'm playing something for the first time and I want to like experience it authentically and also show my emotions authentically based off of it. Cause that's what people come to see me for is like, they want to see my reactions to this. Right. Like if I want that to be authentic, I need these assholes to shut the fuck up. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, for you, it's, it's a different experience because you're not, 
live. I mean, you do do you have done YouTube live streams, but for the most part, your content is I'm going to put a video out, and then people can comment on that video. So, like for you, what's that experience like in terms of how? You know, if someone's a dick in your comments, how approachable are you to that? Do you put people in their place? Like, how do you handle that? So early on, there wasn't many comments. So it was just like, whatever. But if someone said something mean, I was like, okay, all right. That's not very nice, but okay. Like, it, it would bother me a little bit. But then, like, over time, I get, like, more and more comments. And, like, I can't have the same reaction to every single comment. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be, like, upset because, like, regularly I'll get a comment where someone says, oh, this kid's an idiot, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I, I kind of feel like if we're just talking about like how I react to this stuff, it's like, all right, well, if you, if you watched it in some ways, I accomplished my goal. You watched a video that I put out there. I want people to watch it. So there we go. First thing accomplished. It's like, if you, if you're going to write up a, a long comment to say how I'm an idiot, like then another goal is accomplished. Like you not only watched it, but then you, you you took time to like craft up your thoughts on what That's I engagement. made a video on. That's engagement. Yeah, right? and it's that engagement. Helps. So like YouTube likes that. Um, yeah, thanks I, for the stats, bro. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then like I have ads in the videos too, so it's like okay, you also gave me a little bit of money too. <laughs> yeah. So like it's not all so bad. But I, I think my my whole thing with these comments is like. I just don't, and you, you definitely know this where like, I don't respond to like these dumb comments because a little part of me is like, if you're going to write a comment, that's that dumb. Every once in a while, I'll write like something kind of funny back or like, I think is funny. But for the most part, I'm just like, I'm not going to give these people attention. Like this is, it's not my place. To just like give them attention or write an argument. Like I don't, how many people in their life have ever changed their perspective because of a YouTube comment. Right. Like, who got a YouTube comment back and they're like, wow, you're right. I'm going to go to college now. <laughs> <laughs> like, who has done that? Nobody. Nobody went to, nobody like pursued a different degree or like voted for a different president. Like, none of that's ever happened in the YouTube comments. So I'm like, nothing great is going to be accomplished here. Like, if they didn't get the video, that's fine. Like, when you put something out there, you can't control how people are going to interpret it. Now, do I think there's value in the comments sometimes? Yes. There have been times where uh, I've read a comment and I'm like, I can see that perspective. I can see why that was confusing. So you have to be like open to, to changing your, your uh, you have to be open that maybe you didn't notice something the first time when you made the video. So th there's, there is value to some of the comments, but like I, I don't think you can lose sleep over it because like the bigger you get, the worse it's just going to get with these types of comments. Yeah, definitely. And Rissa, you, do you have a YouTube, you have a YouTube channel, don't you? Do you I do have a YouTube channel. So when the pandemic happened and I was out of a job for three months, I was like, Hey, this is a great time to start my YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. Um, I don't have a hundred subscribers, so I don't have the, um, like the custom link or anything. You, okay. Um, well give us the full URL with all of the random characters. <laughs> okay. You too. No, I'm just <laughs> I don't actually know what it is. We'll, we'll um, put a, we'll put a link in the description for you. <laughs> sounds good. But yeah, I, uh, I was like, you know, this, this might be a good time to start that. It's something that I always wanted to do. I mean, like I said, I started out watching content creators on YouTube. I didn't even start. I didn't even know what Twitch was for like a whole nother six months after I discovered YouTube gaming. Right. So, um, 
Yeah, so I I was always interested in doing that. I didn't know what I wanted to do on YouTube, so I just kind of started doing Let's Plays because that's what I do on Twitch. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, really the time of Let's Plays has has come and gone in right. the gaming world uh, on YouTube. So, um, you know, if I have any advice, it's don't do that. Um, <laughs> do <laughs> something else. The trend has passed. <laughs> yes, the trend has passed. Um so I, I do have some big plans, but unfortunately, like I said, with the full-time job, it's it's a hard balance. I got to figure that that's the next step, I think, on my content journey. Yeah. That part can be tough yeah. because uh, when it comes to content, like, do you just put all of your eggs in one basket and say, like, I'm just a Twitch person or just a YouTube person or, like, you know, trying to balance it? Like, for me, I'm definitely primarily a YouTube person, but now bringing the podcast back, I'm also going to be a podcast person. But I also know that I kind of like TikTok is where a lot of the attention is. So I should be a TikTok person, despite the fact I'm not the biggest fan of that app. It can be especially difficult over the course of the week to prioritize because I don't know. I, I kind of have like conflicting thoughts. Part of me is like, just focus at what you do. And then over time, once you get really good at it, then kind of maybe do a little bit and some of the other stuff. But it's really overwhelming because you kind of feel pressure like to do all these different at least i do and and i don't i don't want to speak for you both but i feel pressure to like post content on other sites too yeah the, like diversifying the portfolio so to speak i feel like i i haven't really seen the um i guess the the benefits of it yet like i don't i think Maybe I've gotten a couple people that have come into Twitch and said that I found they found me on TikTok, but for the most part, it's literally like my growth has come from networking with other content, like other streamers, and like playing with them and getting to know them and interacting with people in their communities and then them supporting me and, and like. It hasn't really been like, oh, well, it's a good thing I'm posting a weekly YouTube video because I'm getting new viewers on YouTube each week and they're coming to my streams and then people watching my streams are going to my TikToks and then my TikTok people are coming to you. Like it's, there isn't, well, I would like for that to happen eventually. And I guess that's, that's my hope or my plan. Like I, I think that could eventually work. Um, and, and similar to like, my music like I, I have music on spotify and stuff so i kind of look at it as like well you might not find me through my music but you can find me on my stream you could listen to me sing when someone does like a a channel point redemption and they'd be like oh i wonder if this guy has music on spotify you go check it out like i i like to think that they're gonna feed into one another but i haven't seen that necessarily and i don't know rissa you you said that you know balancing that stuff with work is is tough right now um do you try to have consistent stuff on other platforms currently? Tried it in the past, but you know, like you said, it's, it's kind of, I feel like I get more out of like the natural sort of like networking that comes with um, Twitch as a platform. However, you never know like what's going to blow up, right? right? Like you could be putting out all this content on TikTok forever. And maybe just that one video you happen to upload on Twitter is the thing that explodes. Like, you know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard to tell. Um, I can think of like a handful of content creators that I followed on Twitter for like a very long period of time that just sort of blew up after a video. So, you know, really all it takes is like that one thing um, for people to really like gravitate to and hold on to. Um, I 
am still finding a balance with that. I haven't even attempted TikTok yet. Oh my God, that seems so daunting to me yeah. right now. Um, Instagram, I, I use from time to time, but it's mostly selfies and pictures of my cats. Let's be real. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's nothing gaming related. Um, if you like my makeup, it's really great. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me, I'm focusing mostly on Twitter as like a secondary platform right now, just because it's easy for me to access. It's easy for me to just like quickly upload or even schedule tweets. Scheduling tweets has been like a huge lifesaver for me as far as like my work life balance and my content life balance. Um, so right now that's like my big focus is trying to get more content onto Twitter. Um, and then, like I said, I want to really start to focus on YouTube again, but I think I just want to take things in a completely different direction there like similar horror vibes but I think I want to do more like I don't even know like deep dive videos into like the things that I'm super passionate about so I've I've got ideas up here nice um (laughs) do you remember when you followed me on Twitter but not on Twitch for a long time and Mm -hmm. basically betrayed me through that yeah yeah, it wait, was do I, it was on purpose. Wait, do I follow purpose. you on Twitter? Do we ever figure this yeah, out? Yeah, this fucking guy. <laughs> I got a fucking podcast with this guy. This guy didn't even follow me on Twitter. What an asshole! Wow. I didn't even know. You didn't know I had a gaming one. No. Well, because I mean, <laughs> to be fair, it can be tough to keep up with with uh, all my like changes and stuff. Because I had like a, a a Brandon J. Flippin, which was like I guess my music Twitter. Um, but I think I deleted that. But still, this guy's not. This guy's not support. <laughs> Both of you are just haters. You know what? That's what I'm realizing. Yeah, you guys exactly are haters. See, he's just making drama out of nothing, <laughs> as usual. Oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not a drama guy. What nah. are you talking about? You are. I feel like you actually are a drama guy. <laughs> Hold on. In some ways, You're you absolutely are. Absolutely. Drama guy. I don't know what you're talking about. That's like the. That's like the inside joke. I mean. Not even just like my community, but I feel like anybody who knows me on Twitch, everyone calls me a drama guy. You're just over the top. Like you, <laughs> you like the, you talk so loud sometimes. <laughs> like you get like really heated on like the most simple thing. Yeah, that's true. That I was actually so I was I. Uh, November twenty first is my one year anniversary, so I'm putting together all these clips for like a video to commemorate my first year. And uh, I was watching some of these, and like they're not even necessarily rage moments, but it's just like, like I just went, I flew off the handle at fall damage on one of my deaths, where I was just, and I've done this multiple times on stream. I just like, yeah, some something random will set me off. And uh, maybe I need to go to therapy or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you could only benefit. <laughs> Fuck you. Know. you. I'm just <laughs> um, I, I think we've kind of touched on it, but I do want to um, kind of get more specifically into it. And I think it would be helpful too for our audience um, understanding, like our, you know, articulating our ambitions you know, our actual goals with this stuff. There's, you know, it's one thing to talk about the balance between content creation and, and work and, and also like how we've evolved, but how does that look in terms of where we would like this to go? And I, Steven, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I'd like for you to start just with YouTube, with all of the other platforms you're, you're looking at, what, what are your ambitions with this? So originally I just wanted to be on TV. So like, that was like where this all originated from. Um, so once I checked that like off the list, when I was a TV news reporter, 
then after that it was like okay well that was kind of a dumb goal because like the second that you do it it's over kind of like there if that if that's literally just the goal then i did that but that like didn't really do anything for me so i now uh have sort of shifted gears and, and gone for something a little bit more like um elaborate i guess but also it even though it's elaborate it's not um easy to comprehend or it's not how can I not? I, I can't word this for some reason. It's easy to understand. I don't know why I'm making this so complicated. I just. He's a wordsmith. I'm a wordsmith. Um, so He's a guy for, good with words. Yeah. <laughs> great with words. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, I like making YouTube videos because it gives me the thrill of being in front of the camera. And that's why I like doing the TV thing. So moving forward, I would like for my YouTube channel to grow and expand into a full-time business because I've always wanted to be a business owner. Part of the reason why I did YouTube over the TV stuff was I wanted say in what I was that I was talking about. Like, it's not just being like, I love the thrill of being in front of a camera. Like to me, it's like, it's exciting. It's something I feel like I can do well, but I wanted it in it in itself was not enough. So being able to do this type of stuff full-time, combined with the business so I don't have to uh, rely on all of my income from just doing YouTube. Like I, I don't like that either because an algorithm then would be in control of my destiny, which is also really freaky because I don't know how the algorithm works and not many people really like really grasp it. So yeah, I would, I like to be able to continue to uh, grow my YouTube channel, hopefully inspire other people to want to do this type of stuff too, because as I always say, like, I don't come from a background of creatives or anything. Like, this is all um, something that I'm kind of self-taught at, in a sense. And some, It's like, it's something that just I found and, and I wanted to do. And I hope that other people um, won't just settle for the, the nine to five if it's not really what they want to do. And even if they aren't able to do content full time because it's difficult to make that much money from doing it to just like be okay with putting themselves out there and failing, but watching themselves grow over time, grow as a person and then meet like awesome people along the way. For sure. Rissa for you. I mean, you know, maybe people might equate, you know, the quantity of putting out content as like, oh, well, that's someone who, you know, makes sacrifices and, and commits all to this one thing and they really want it. But I'm curious, you know, since you've talked about balancing out your life a little more with this stuff, what are your goals with it? Like, where do you see yourself? Where do you see it going? <laughs> I feel like my... I feel like my goals are ever evolving, right? Yeah. Like, you know, when I when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a musician and I was going to travel the world and do all these things. And, you know, it didn't really pan out. Um, I thought that I was going to, like, have a pretty, like, solid career growth in the job that I'm actually doing now. My job is pretty creative, but it's kind of, like, at the expense of the business, right? Like, I can only control so much. It's really, like, the business making these decisions and I wanted to get to the top that's sort of not really panning out either. So I feel like this is the thing that I like kind of have control over, right? Like it's my own content. It's the thing that I'm creating. I'm putting in all the work. I'm doing all the research. I'm trying to make things as unique as possible while also trying to relate to people, right? That consume it. <clears throat> um, so I feel like the first step was just 
doing something that I actually had control over. Because I feel like all of my other goals, creative goals that I set for myself, I didn't really have a whole lot of control over that, if that makes sense. Um, so now that I'm actually doing it, <laughs> now I'm just like, I want to be successful on Twitch, right? Like that's kind of the thing that I'm like focusing on. If I get to that point where I feel success, whatever that might be. And I don't know if that's going to end up being like numbers, if I hit Twitch partner, if like, you know, I'm able to like sustain myself that way. I feel like what I would like most is to be able to quit my my job, my full time job. A lot of people say that, but like for real, like I, I can't do this retail business anymore, man. It's not meant for a lifetime career. It's just too much. Um, So I, I just would like to be able to do something full time. Um long long-term goal if that really hits it big and I'm able to quit I would love to do many different types of things like I would love to have like my own makeup line would be super dope um I'd like to have like a pretty solid YouTube channel I'd like to maybe even have like my own like fashion gig I don't know you know I've got lots of like really cool ideas but it's all about getting there right that's kind of the process that I'm in mm -hmm. so how about you Brandon yeah, I mean, I think streaming is um, something that I kind of stumbled into because, uh, you know, we talked about this on the last episode a little bit. I was doing music stuff, and when I moved to Chicago, even I wanted to put my creative self at the forefront of my life, but I didn't necessarily know what that would look like for me. And so I just kind of did music because that's what I had done along with the podcast. Um, and then I was just like, I, I'm struggling to do this consistently. What's something I do consistently. And similar to you, Rissa, I like, you know, I, I actually watched a lot for a long time. I've watched a lot of gameplay videos on, uh, YouTube, partially because there have been times in my life where I didn't have a, a console. Cause I like, was living in Nashville and my parents had the consoles. So I was, I didn't, I didn't game at all. And so I would like watch people play games that I was interested in. Um, and so I was like, I could just, I can make videos like that, but I'll like focus on indie games and, and um, you know, uh, like kind of make movies out of it. It's not necessarily uh, a let's play. It's, it's just like I'll capture, the moments that I think are important and, and have it sort of be a cinematic thing. Um, and then I just started streaming it and loved it. I just, I loved entertaining through that. And I, and so I think it's become this thing where it's like, I'm committed to it. Like th this is what I want to be my career. I want, if it's not, it's probably not going to be a, um, a conventional nine to five per se, but I, you know, metaphorically speaking, I want this to be my nine to five. And then surrounding that, I would like, uh, you know, to be able to focus more on writing music again, but do it on my own terms and uh, release things on my own terms, you know, because I have time to do creative stuff. I would like to do, um, you know, we've done some YouTube sketch stuff. I, I would like to do more within the acting world um, and, and even the writing world as well. So basically... Uh, ultimately I want my life to be surrounded by creative endeavors. I want my nine to five to be the most consistent thing I'm able to do, which is stream. And then I want 
my other endeavors, my peripheral endeavors to be the things that I feel like take a little more time, take a little more patience and things that, uh, really delve into the deeper parts of my creativity. Um, and, uh, I mean, that would be, you know, I, I think a lot of times we always feel like the grass is greener on the other side. I'm sure if I were to accomplish those goals, there'd be some pitfalls and probably would hate Twitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then I would hate Twitch. And I'd be one of those big streamers that complains about the platform all the time and, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. But, um, ultimately I'd like to do that. And then I would also, I would like to use my platform, um, to number one, uh, really bolster the voices of, uh, um, you know, people that I feel like their voices aren't always, you know, amplified. You know, I would like to use my platform for that. I would also like to even like when we're talking about money or financial stuff, I I would love to pour money into like mental health institutions and mental health research and substance abuse stuff. Um, Cause I don't know if you knew this Rissa, but I, I, I did graduate with a degree in psychology and I was in a master's program to become a counselor slash therapist. Um, But I, I ended up leaving that program to move to Chicago and focus on this stuff, but it's still very much a passion of mine. And I would like to um, contribute to, um, to that world in a positive way. So I I think that's probably the best way I could describe what my ultimate goal would be for this stuff. I, I think the, the last thing that we wanted to talk about before getting into our, our movies thing, I think we, Steven and I need to take a back seat on this one because this is uh, a world that we aren't uh, in or a part of, but we can witness it to a certain extent. But just, I guess I, I don't even know how to, you know, throw this to you that isn't super broad, but maybe you can speak to some specific uh, experiences being a woman um, in the content creation world in general, maybe even more specifically on Twitch or just, I guess, even broadly speaking, um, not necessarily even your experiences, but what you notice about what it's like living that. I feel like, I feel like there have been many, many female voices that have talked about probably what I'm going to (laughs) say. Um, probably the exact same things, but you know, I, I've been, I've been into video games since I, like I said, I was very, very young. Like Sega Genesis was my first console when I was like six, you know? So, I mean, I've been playing video games my entire life. Um, And back then, you know, gaming in general was not super cool back then. Like, I feel like a lot of like the nerds were, you know, sort of like the ones that gamed and... Um, so I already was immediately an outcast as a child and then, you know, growing up and like going into high school and stuff, I also kind of struggled, um, sort of with like my self image and like just being a woman in general that's into games. I feel like none of my female friends were into that. And so I didn't have any friends that did that. I had to like hang out with my cousins to play video games, you know? So it was like, I don't know, like already like being a female gamer is weird and challenging because it's like just something that I like to do but I feel like I don't know very many female females that do that in real life now going on to the twitch platform I feel like oh my god my entire world was expanded and I'm meeting all of these amazing women um 
who are who are into this thing that I've loved since a kid since I was a kid and I've never been able to express that with another girl before. I know it sounds probably sounds really crazy because I feel like a lot of guys like they grow up with games and you know they hang out with each other all the time and play games but I didn't have that like legit I did not have that until I like started hanging out on Twitch and like meeting all these people and starting to play games with them and I'm like oh my gosh I found like my girlfriends this is wild to me <laughs> anytime i would talk about a video game in high school people were just like I don't, I don't know i don't know i went shopping the other day you know and i don't get me wrong love my shopping but like i don't know i just felt like i was always kind of like struggling with that part of like myself and like my interests in general so being on twitch has really helped expand that now on the downside of that i mean there's obviously a lot of I feel like really terrible things that that go into like being a female content creator on Twitch or in YouTube or anything. It's, it's, you know, that whole mentality of, oh, you're a female, so it must be easier for you to like get views. It must be like really nice to just show your tits on stream, right? Blah, blah. But it's like not, I don't know. I, I just, I really hate that sort of mentality. I've ran into it many times uh, just like on myself, just like being you know, live, I will just have people come in and just like say really horrible, rude, lewd stuff to me. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm fucking playing Animal Crossing today. What do you want from me? Like, I don't yeah. fucking know. <laughs> um, So like, you know, my response usually to that is to just instant ban and not even address it. But it does get to me, you know, like, how would it not, you know, wouldn't it get to you if somebody just like came into your stream and called you a fucking dick, you know, like, yeah, it it just really sucks to like have to just like be a part of that but i do feel though that like ultimately you just kind of can't give those people that time of day at the end of the day sure. um you know well to i, I kind of want to go through this in 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 different portions just on, sure. on what you've been talking about but we've talked a little bit about some of our interests growing up i feel like we had to deal with you know maybe our parents thinking that some of our interests weren't like i mean they were weird or something or invalidated like i mean my dad trained with me in baseball so i don't think i don't think he was like against me like being into theater or me being like he was supportive of that but i don't think he was as supportive of that as he was like music per se and like you said you know your family wasn't this artistic family but for you talking about this gaming thing like how did you feel very invalidated in I guess your identity as um, you know a girl growing up liking this thing that it seemed like no other girls liked? Like, did you struggle with feeling like is this something I should like? Is this something like should I just hang out with guy? Like, what was that like? A little bit, yeah, like a little bit. Um, you know, my, my dad was the one who bought me the game console. So my family has always been, my mom, my mom has never understood the video game thing, but my dad has always been like super supportive, very into it, has gamed himself, you know, all of these years. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky that like my family has always been like, I don't know, like they, they don't really care. They, they just, you know, want me to be happy at the end of the day. So my family's always been super supportive of anything that I do, luckily. Um, 
you know, whether it be music or, you know, I did do like, I was on the dance team for a little bit. I did volleyball for a little bit. I hated it. <laughs> I hated sports, but you know, I, I tried all these things and my family was super supportive, but with my friend group and social groups in general, that's where it got kind of weird. Cause I felt like I definitely related more to the guys a lot. I hung out with the guys a lot more, but I'm like this super girly girl. So like, I don't know. I feel like among the the girl the girls in my school, um, or like just in my social life in general, always kind of view me as like, you know, oh, I must be a slut or I must be like a hoe or something because I'm hanging out with all these guys. But it's just like, no, I actually just like video games and I just like to have fun and like laugh at fart jokes just like them. I don't fucking know. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, so it sucks. It sucks to like want so badly to have like female companionship that has the same interests as you but you also have sort of like women that kind of look down on you for it too like I, I've experienced both and it's very it's very strange it's very strange because I I don't ever view women as in that way I never have so to be treated like that really sucks um yeah but like I said, luckily, I found sort of like amazing, amazing women on Twitch that I, I feel 100% supported by. Um, I feel like I could go to any of them with anything, like even just like personal stuff. Like I've developed all of these like genuine friendships out of it. So I don't know. I, I feel like Twitch really changed my life a lot, a lot of ways. And this is definitely like a huge aspect of that. Like I finally feel like I have like female companionship and they accept me for who I am. So That's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's really great. That's a really like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you asked those questions because that actually was like, it, it's interesting to hear how people will grow up feeling weird about something. And it's just like, why do we have to feel weird about it? Like, it, like it, it just it doesn't make any sense. There's no reason that uh, gaming should be associated with a specific gender. Like just it, the whole thing is doesn't make a lot of sense. And I mean, I've, I felt it with like certain things in my life where th if I, you know, like I played a lot of sports growing up and if I did something that like, wasn't sports, someone might make a comment like, why are you into that? Like, that's weird. It's like, who's the judge? What's weird? Yeah. It's it, but like, it really does. A lot of people like their self-esteem will be worse over something just made up. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just let people enjoy what they like, you know, like, I don't know if I, if I grew up loving playing football like cool you know what I mean yeah. like then I would seek out companionship with those types of people and you know I would hope that my family and friends would be supportive of me um you know so I it, it does suck that I feel like still and you know we're about to be in 2022 I feel like still people are dealing with that but I do think it's getting better though uh, mm -hmm. I can't really speak for a lot of like younger people because I'm really old right Brandon um oh I'm super old oh um god i'm so old um so i can't speak for all the young people out there but um i i do see that there's a lot more acceptance now i mean gaming is like i, I see all sorts of types of like creators on this platform and i'm like i never would have thought that she'd even be in a hunt showdown i never thought that this person would like mario you know um it's really cool to see like everybody sort of like expanding and um, just being more acceptive of each other in general, but definitely when I was younger, that was not really the case. It felt like, <laughs> yeah. And then, well, you talked about, I mean, Twitch being, you know, I mean, sounds like a, a life changer in, in this way. Um, 
but what about your like <laughs> I don't want to say that Twitch isn't real life but like you know the the abbreviation IRL like have you you know kind of discovering this community have you been able to now meet other women like that you are friends with IRL that are into this stuff or is it more of the same as it was when you're growing up where if you want to find other women or people that are accepting of this part of you that you kind of have to find refuge on Twitch or in that community? I kind of view my relationships on Twitch as IRL. I don't know if that's like weird. Um, but I mean, like here I am on a discord video chat with you guys and like hanging out and, you know, talking to you guys and I, I view you guys as real people. Uh, We're not. Brandon, I consider, I consider you a friend. Uh, uh. I mean, whether you're an alien or not, I don't know. Uh, he, he's but, real you know, life. Like... I know that. I am real life. Can't, yes. I don't know about the alien thing, but he is real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I do consider this real life. Like it's, yeah, a lot of it takes place on the internet and no I'm not able to like physically be there with you but like if I lived in Chicago I would totally come hang out with you you know what I mean like if if I lived where Scarum lives I would totally hang out with her um same thing with Pumpkin but um there has been a few people that I have met up with uh since being on Twitch and it's been actually really cool um i went to a chicago twitch meetup a few years ago with a mutual friend um a couple of mutual friends uh that i met on twitch in the very beginning of my streaming career and it was cool to be able to like actually meet up actually go to a thing together and actually like go to this fun mixer meet all of these people that i like really looked up to on the platform and actually be able to like speak with them and have real conversations with them and it just felt really genuine you know um yeah, a lot of it is networking, but I, I feel like you do form those genuine friendships and relationships. And like, I don't know, it's really just expanded my worldview overall. Um, you know, I I'm fortunate that I had this during the pandemic because I'm I'm shy, but I'm also a very social person. Like I need like social validation in some form. I need to like know that there are people that I can go to when I need them. Right. And I'm so thankful that I was already doing Twitch during this pandemic because, oh, my God, I feel like I just would be completely lost. Right. Like there's a lot of people that you you couldn't really like see for such a long period of time. I went probably six months without seeing a single one of my IRL, for, like real friends that live in the city with me. I, You know, it, it was really, really hard, but I had this. And I could still be on Discord. I could still, like, game with people. I could still create content with them. I could still network with people. Like, it still felt like I had a social life. So, yeah. I don't know. I Maybe it's kind of weird, but I do, I do view Twitch as being, like, a real-life social thing for me now. You know? It's not just creating content, but it's also making friends, which is super important. No, that's great. And I, to set the record straight, I was joking. I do view Rissa as a friend um, she's really mean to me. She bullies me all the time, but I see past that, and our friendship has been great. The truth comes out. <laughs> hey, and to set the record straight, I do view Brandon as an alien. <laughs> great. I'm, thank you for setting the record straight. <laughs> wink if you're in trouble. <laughs> I can't wink, so we got nothing there. Oh, shoot. Yeah, he's Uh-oh. fucked. <laughs> um anything else that you wanted to touch on before we get to our game? 
No, I'm definitely um, ready for some movie chat. Oh, shoot. Movie are you guesses. ready for this? Are, are we going to compete against each other? Is this how yeah, it's going to work? We're competing against each other. <laughs> Winner takes Nervous. all. I don't know what they take, but they're taking all of it. Oh, no. I already told you I'm not competitive. I'm going to fail. That's right. Well, I'm really competitive. Well, that's good. Which means I'll probably fail. You're going to crumble under the pressure, then. That's perfect. <laughs> all right. So just for our audience... This, uh, I won't say this every time, but this segment used to be called Movie Metrics Maybe, but that was a shit name. Not even, I don't even know if this name is any better. But I think it's really good. It's it's pretty damn good. Um, today we are going to be playing Movie Critics Must Go. Yes. Incredible name. <laughs> so basically, I found a list of obscure movies and I grabbed the synopsis of these movies. And what we're going to do is, based off of the synopsis alone, we're going to guess what their Rotten Tomatoes critic, specifically critic score is, not audience score, critic score. Oh, okay. So All right. That's a little different. You got to think about it yeah, a little it's differently. More, it's more specific. Okay. Yes. Um, and so... I, I've got a list that we're going to start with three. We'll see how quickly this goes. If, if we have like a tie break to get or whatever, I have a couple uh, backup ones. Um, but like I said, I had a horror movie to start off with in uh, honor of our horror and spooky content creator, uh, Rissa Havoc, not to put you in such a box, but that is part of what you do. So <laughs> no, I am the spooky queen. Let's you get are that the spooky straight. queen. Yep. Um, Okay, so here's the first one. It's called Hour of the Wolf. Have you heard of this one, Rissa? I have not. All right. This was made in 1968. I oh, tried to I try okay. to spread out the time periods as well a little bit. Okay, so here's a synopsis. On a remote island, a troubled artist, Max von Sydow, feels his mind slipping away from him. Troubled by disturbing visions and paranoid delusions, he and his wife, Liv Ullman, begin to suspect that the haunting memories are the machinations of a bizarre perverted cult that reside on the other side of the island the leader of this group Erland uh, Josephson may hold the key to the artist's delusions And can you repeat the title one more time Hour of the Wolf you can't look it up you cheater <laughs> I'm not no I'm not uh, I, see, I see typing I see typing right now <laughs> hand check hand check <laughs> Yeah, Hour of the Wolf, 1968. Oh, so, my God. you want to go first? Well, first of all, I thought this was like a werewolf movie, but it sounds like it's not. No, so, it sounds deeper than that. Yeah, it sounds way deeper than that. Um, and this is, you said critic score, right? Critic score, yep. So, think about that synopsis and think, if I'm a movie critic, what would I think? I mean, it sounds super riveting, right? Like, mm -hmm. sounds like it's a psychological horror. Um, I am going to go with, let's see, I'm going to go with a good 65. 65. I, I was thinking you were going to say higher. What, what, what are your thoughts? Really? Okay. So, um, movie well, came out in 1968, 1968, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Movie came out in 1968. That is exactly one year prior to the, uh, first airing of Scooby-Doo, which happened in uh, 1969. Scooby-Doo was a very popular show around that time, which kind of gives me the idea that people were into maybe some scary stuff. And 69 is the sex number, so that's important to Yep, know. that's also an accurate statement. Um, so people were just starting to get into some spooky stuff. 
And uh, there's definitely at least a couple episodes of Scooby-Doo that have islands. So they could have been inspired based on the incredible nature of this movie. So I'm going to say that this is a very, very solid movie. And even the title of it suggests that that's the case. Because sometimes you just hear a title and you're like, this is a good movie. It's not the most incredible movie of all time. It's got some flaws in the production, but overall 89%. Final 89%. Answer. All right, so we have 89%. You said 65? 65. 65, okay. I, I am thinking a little closer to this range. I don't think um, I don't think that the, the Scooby-Doo uh, demographic had quite been developed yet. So I think there, was, there, were, there were some people out there that weren't quite ready for the psychological horrors that this movie had to offer. Um, I also think that not many people know what machinations means. So when they read that synopsis, they were like, uh, Susie, what the hell's going on there? So I'm going to give this one. I have no idea 80%. what the hell machinations means. So I just maybe know that's, that's why I rated line. it so low. That Patrick's like the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what did you, how do you rate my Patrick impression? Worse than mine for sure. <laughs> well, it's yours. <laughs> I one more, he one more. Uh, what else does he say? What do you think, Rissa? Who has a better impression? <laughs> this Can could I determine our no friendship. One? Is that an option? What was is it? No one is no one an option. No one is an option. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so we got eighty nine, eighty, and sixty five. We ready for the results? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Hour of the Wolf on Rotten Tomatoes has a tomato meter of 92%. Steven walks away with this one. All right. Well, I'm putting that on my list of movies I need to watch then. I feel like... Wow. I feel like I do see a trend that these older movies get crazy good reviews. Like, the critics must be old people that are like, there's never been any good movies past the 70s. Yeah, the same guys with, like, the baseball players back then were better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Swedish. It's yeah, Swedish I was thinking movie. some of these names were not, uh, definitely not American. Nope. Um. All right, so I did lose, but not as horribly as you lost, Rissa. So let's go on to the next one. <laughs> All right. Um, this one was made in 2009, so we're jumping forward quite a bit. This is called The Damned United. Have you guys seen this one? I have not. No. Never heard okay. of it. Mm-mm. The story of Brian Klaus, it could be Klaus, I don't know how to pronounce it, 44-day stint as manager of Leeds United Football Club takes place in 1974 England. When Don Revie quits Leeds to become the England boss, the outspoken Brian Clough takes charge. Determined to impose his own style upon Revie's tough-tackling team, Clough soon alienates his players and the board. Based on the book by David Pierce. And what year? 2009. Hmm. Steven, you want to start with this? Yeah, one? I'll, go, I'll go first in this one. So 2009. So we're talking right uh, right around the time of the American recession. I think that um, the economy throughout the world uh, was not in a great state. And I don't think that people would want to watch a movie so trivial on something so simplistic when they're out there trying to find jobs. They don't have time to watch uh, a soccer team. Um, it wasn't high on their priority list. And as a result... 
Um, the ratings of this movie slowed down production for the studios. Wait, the ratings slowed down production <laughs> for further movies. Um, they had like they had an idea to make like three blockbuster movies over the next subsequent years. They shut them all down because this movie got a twenty nine percent. Twenty nine percent. Oh my gosh, Rissa, you want to take a crack at it? Um. Well, I don't know about all of that recession business. But, um, I, I feel like it's definitely going to be higher than 29%. Like, I just have this feeling. I don't know. The synopsis sounds like pretty solid, right? Like, it sounds like a pretty solid, dramatic, you know, just the right amount of drama, the right amount of seriousness. Plus, like, you know, it's definitely going to hit the sports guys. So, like, you know, there's a lot of those happening. Um, I don't know anything about that life, but, like, I'm sure it's great. Um, so I'm going to guess probably a solid 79%, 79%, quite a bit different from your, <laughs> your thought process. I, this time I'm, I'm agreeing with Rissa a bit more. You did point out people are searching for jobs, but I think that would matter more for the audience because the movie critics have jobs, and that is critiquing movies. So they, those are the scores we're looking at, and they're able to focus on movies. In fact, they're really diving into this, really breaking it down. So you could look at that as like they're trying to find flaws left and right, trying to find flaws in this stuff. But you also got to think, you know, American recession, but this takes place in England, so maybe we're a little higher on, on England right now. You know, might be trying to find refuge in, in foreign stuff. It's like, fuck American football. We got, you know, so what some people consider real football. We got to watch that movie. Um, I'm going to give this one. I, I do think that critics tend to like the more dramatic, more serious stuff. But I do think it's better than what Rissa gave it. I'm going to give this one an 87%. Wow. Okay, so I'm in a real league of my own on this one. Yeah, you, <laughs> you sure are. You took a very bold stance on this uh, whole recession. Will it pay off? <laughs> if I could, I'm just gonna go type it. <laughs> the damned united. Here we go. A lot of anticipation. Ooh, ooh. Drum roll. 92% Brandon takes this one. The exact same percent as the last movie? I don't rigged. know. Awfully suspicious. Awfully suspicious. rigged. This I think the last rigged. one had the same audience score, too. I think they both had 85%. Wait, 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 wait. I said 29, but I meant 92. Oh, yeah. You're dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how this works. Yeah, I, I, this is, I know this is my first time playing this game, but I'm already telling you that that's not how this works. <laughs> All right, Rissa sets the rules, oh. I guess. I may have miscalculated a bit. Okay. Well, Rissa, you are in uh, last place with zero right. Uh, Steven has one. I have one. Um, well, when I say right, it's just whoever's closest. So we have one that could be the tiebreaker between us, or you could make it a three-way tie. All right, let's see. So this one's called Straw Dogs. Made in 1971. David Sumner, who's played by Dustin Hoffman, it's an important note, a mild-mannered academic from the United States, 
marries Amy, played by Susan George, an English woman. In order to escape a hectic stateside lifestyle, David and his wife relocate to the small town in rural Cornwall where Amy was raised. There, David is ostracized by the British men of the village, including Amy's old flame, Charlie, uh, played by Delhaney, or Delhenny. So I'm going to give this one. This one seems uh, pretty intense, very intense, uh, actually. And I'm going to say that uh, because of the intensity, we've got a 95%. I think this one really uh, hit home with people. I don't think that, um, I think people were compelled by this. You know, it was made in 71. So, I, you know, I'm thinking like around the same time of Godfather, you know, people were really liking these like uh, very intense gritty drama uh stuff and this sound i mean this doesn't sound like godfather per se but just that intense uh cinema what a lot of people consider to be the only kind of cinema because now superhero movies aren't cinema anymore um so i'm gonna give this one a 95 percent rissa what are your thoughts uh i have nothing witty to say other than i'm going by prices right rules and i'm gonna say 96 percent. you cheater Boom. so I see this differently. Um, 1971, we're talking many years after the uh, 1939 release of The Wizard of Oz. But if you do know, in The Wizard of Oz, there is both a dog and there is also a scarecrow made out of straw. So, uh, not sure if they're for sure correlated, but it seems likely that they drew inspiration from Wizard of Oz, which has a very high score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's also maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, definitely one of my favorite movies, maybe my favorite movie ever. Um, it deals with a lot of, uh, very sensitive topics, which those are either, um, the audience resonates with or the audience is very turned off from. But as I said, Wizard of Oz. So in the end, if I was going to try to give the uh the percentage that really Wait a second. hit this home. Are we doing Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Rating or straw dog right here. Because I feel like we really said, got off the beat. Wizard path. of Oz. Speaking of beaten paths, there's a yellow brick road. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, the only good answer for this, given everything that we've been through with the first two, is 92%. 92%. I feel like you guys both really fucked me here because I chose 95 and Rissa went 96 and you chose 92, which I'm guessing you did to not entirely fuck me, but pretty much did. So here we go. I mean, the last two movies were 92. It just makes sense that you chose three movies that were 92%. <laughs> we were all way off. <laughs> oh no. It looks like they did not draw inspiration from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> And this one has a 43%, (laughs) which means that somehow, someway, Steven ends up winning this one, although I don't know how deserving it is, Um, but he does. He takes it home. Wow. Uh, You just got to believe. Yeah. Who knew that the Wizard of Oz would really bring it home? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not me. But yeah, I I do feel like I gave it my best shot. And I just want to thank the fans for supporting me along the way. Um, Rissa, how would you feel about your performance? Uh, 
I hope you guys have me back someday. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, well, with that being said, um, Rissa, I want to one say thank you for coming on today and for being the first guest on this new format i know that we had an idea of how this was gonna go but uh a lot of this we kind of just like we didn't know we didn't know if this was gonna go well um i hope that you enjoyed it do you have any uh <laughs> anything today that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up I mean, I just had a really fun time. I, I love this kind of format for podcasting. I think you guys should definitely like continue this this type of format. I'm really interested to see um, who else you're going to be bringing on the podcast. So yeah. thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, you were great, sure. Rissa. I think it was Ooh. a very uh, nice way to ease into this format because like Steven said, we're figuring it out. Um, and mm -hmm. you are you are so articulate and uh, easy to talk to, uh, which I already knew because I had experienced that on stream with you. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I'm pretty much the best. So. Yeah, you're pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah, thanks. But I think for our listeners, even I think there this is gonna there's gonna be a lot of really good nuggets for people to pull from um, in understanding um, content creation in general, but also the specific paths that each each of us kind of take. So. It was wonderful. For sure. You'd made our lives easier for this episode, for sure. Um, what uh, If people want to keep in touch with you and see what you're all about, they check out the episode, they say, I like this girl, how can they find you? Oh, uh, definitely stop by Twitch, twitch.tv slash Rissa Havoc. Um, that's where you can find me live the most. So if you guys are interested in spooky content, I'm your gal. Um, you guys can also find me on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Rissa Havoc. And I'm also on Twitter at Rissa Havoc. I have a YouTube channel as well. I've got some kind of like older Let's Play videos. If you guys are interested in like kind of the spookier stuff that I don't really stream that often. It's like mostly uh, horror, indie horror, like full playthroughs of things. Um, so just search Rissa Havoc and you should find me there. Awesome. Appreciate it. And if uh, you made it this far into the episode, one, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're going to be releasing these episodes uh, on a weekly basis. Also, you can find us in all your podcast apps. So if you don't want to look at our ugly faces because you're just not feeling me and Brandon, you're like, their voices are nice, but not much to look at. That's fine. Check us out on Spotify. Um, check us out on whatever podcast app that you like. Uh, you can also, if you want to get involved with the show, uh, if you've got questions, things like that, you can hit us up on our social media. It's at EMGPod. That's for Instagram and Twitter. We also have an email, EMGPod at gmail.com. Anything else before we go? No, had a great time. It was awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back soon. Take it easy. Whoa.